Taiwan reported more than 85,000 local COVID cases on Wednesday. Not only was it a new high, but the case numbers increase was a 30% jump from the day before. The CECC says the rapid rise could be due to expanded testing capacity in northern Taiwan. Health officials say Taiwan could reach the peak of the current outbreak in the coming week. Cities and counties around Taiwan have set up large-scale PCR test sites, which have boosted testing capacity island-wide. On Wednesday, Taiwan reported more than 85,000 local COVID infections. From 6 to 85, it increased by 30%. We went from 65,000 on Tuesday to 85,000 on Wednesday. That's a jump of 30%. There was also a 30% rise earlier this month, so we're seeing highs and lows. Of course, sometimes reporting procedures and the number of people who go for testing have an impact on the number, but the overall direction doesn't change much. I think that at 85,000 cases, we still haven't reached a peak. The number will continue growing for some time. The CECC says a factor that could have contributed to the jump in cases is the boosted testing capacity starting Monday, when Taiwan administered almost 113,000 PCR tests. That's the highest number of tests administered in one day. Positivity was at 66%. The rise in total tests administered is on one hand due to the fact that several new large-scale testing sites have been set up in northern Taiwan. Another reason could be that infection numbers are growing in central and southern Taiwan. But today's total case tally shows a rise in numbers in all six special municipalities in northern, central and southern Taiwan. We have to monitor the situation closely as the peak of this wave may come in the coming week. People aged 65 and up who are not in home isolation, quarantine or self-health management can now get the results of positive rapid tests confirmed without a PCR test. Those numbers will soon show up in the reporting system. I actually think that the actual numbers today are higher by 20,000 or 30,000 cases. We might have already exceeded 100,000 daily cases. The physician says that the lag in reporting could mean that the actual daily case tally is much higher. Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe says that there may also be many people with mild or no symptoms who just don't go for a PCR test after testing positive in a rapid test. Many people get a positive rapid test result and don't go for a PCR test. They just isolate at home without reporting it. They're not looking for a final diagnosis. I think that might actually be a large number of people. I've heard friends say that many people they know are doing that. The CECC also addressed concerns that some people who report their COVID status do not receive an isolation notice. Health Minister Chen Shizhong said the problem was not due to overloaded systems, but to people leaving invalid phone numbers at test stations. Chen urged the public to fill a correct phone number when getting tested, asking staff at PCR test stations to double-check the data so that the process can go smoothly. Taipei has announced that all public and private schools in the city will go online for at least a week starting May 23rd. For ninth graders and high school seniors, virtual learning will last even longer, until one day before their graduation ceremonies. However, New Taipei says it won't follow suit. Let's hear from both mayors. How many students in Taipei request epidemic leave in a day? Here's the answer. On May 18th, there was a total of 19,000 students. You can see many are taking leave, especially elementary school students. Now, 
So far, we in New Taipei City have been leaving the decision up to individual schools. They can decide whether to go online, whether to offer a mixed system with on-site classes, and what kind of basic approach they want to take to face COVID. So far, more than 98,000 students at all education levels have contracted COVID in Taiwan. The highest number of infections is among elementary school students, and the numbers are especially high in Taipei and New Taipei. A new test site with a capacity for 800 daily tests has opened at National Taiwan University's College of Medicine. The site offers PCR testing as well as medication to treat symptoms, if any. Those who test positive in the PCR test will get a text message that contains a link for them to arrange a virtual appointment with a doctor in case they need medicine for COVID. This is the entrance and exit to the test station where medical staff are gearing up to administer PCR tests. It's the first day of opening, but no long queue is formed here in the morning. There are two lines to go in, with designated areas for registering, testing and waiting. People with mild symptoms can also pick up medicine here. At the registration point, the staff checks whether the patient needs medication for relieving symptoms. If they do, they will have to consult with a doctor and they can pay for the medicine. Patients can pick up a three-day supply of antipyretics and medicine for coughs and runny noses for a total of 520 NT. This COVID test site at NTU's College of Medicine offers 400 appointment slots every day, with another 400 tests available for walk-ins for a total capacity of 800 tests per day. In the future, the test site could have an even bigger capacity. If they test positive on the PCR test, the hospital will send them a text message. In that notice, there will be a link to make a telemedicine appointment. After the virtual consultation, we can give them medication. Originally, only people in home isolation, home quarantine and self-health management who tested positive for COVID in a rapid test could make a telemedicine appointment to get diagnosed with COVID and obtain oral medication. Starting Wednesday, anyone aged 65 and up will be exempt from taking a PCR test as long as they take a test strip to a health center to get a medical assessment. If confirmed and eligible for COVID drugs, they will be able to pick up a prescription on the spot to not delay the administration of potentially life-saving medication. With the war in Ukraine at a stalemate, local hospitals are running low on medical supplies. Several Taiwanese biotechnology companies have coordinated with volunteers to deliver much-needed supplies to Ukraine. A local doctor was almost moved to tears hearing that the donations would include the materials they need. Hey, this Volunteers take inventory of medical devices worth almost 600,000 NT. All of these items were entrusted to volunteers by Taiwanese biotechnology companies to deliver free of charge to Ukraine. As the Russia-Ukraine war drags on, Ukraine is facing a severe shortage of medical resources. It's definitely going to be very helpful because I talked to doctors from the emergency medicine hospital in Kyiv just yesterday. And they told me that uh, there are many cases of uh, traumatic spine injuries, uh, particularly compression, compression injuries, uh, because uh, many military personnel and also civilians are getting injured because of uh, explosion blasts. And also there are many, particularly elderly people, 
you know, who get horrible injuries in collapsing buildings. The Ukrainian expat says both his parents work in the medical field and know exactly which medical items his country needs most. He says that a Ukrainian doctor he spoke with was almost moved to tears hearing that Taiwan would donate medical supplies such as bone cement. The surgical material is much needed by older adults who now have been forced to join the efforts against the Russian invaders. The material is most effective and efficient at treating spine injuries. He was nearly crying because it was very unexpected to him to just think about that there is a country that is incredibly far away from Ukraine. Our flight at 7 p.m. today will be heading to Poland. We will help carry some luggage. They also need people to help with construction work, so we'll do that too. Volunteer Chen Xunlin said he would be heading to another location to pick up other supplies, including helmets, before catching his flight in the evening. Ukraine is in dire need for assistance, and Taiwan is once again showing that it's not hesitating to help out. If you've always wanted to go camping but don't know how to get started, don't worry. A tent ballet can set up a tent for you and throw in some furniture too. Zhang Mingxiong and his wife are professional tent builders. They got started six years ago and now they build up to a hundred tents a day for novice campers. Upon arriving at the site, this camper spends no time setting up his equipment. Instead, he heads straight to a tree to sit down and relax. It's really too much trouble to put up the tent myself. I'm here to enjoy myself. I don't want to waste time setting up a tent. It turns out that a tent is already ready for him, prepared in advance by professionals. The tent is unfolded and fixed to the ground with nails. Up goes the outer tent before careful finishing touches go on the interior. Zhang Mingxiong and his wife set up tents for campers. They work together with a happy simpatico, taking less than 10 minutes to build one tent. They've got to work fast because time is money. Every week we go out there and there are usually 60 to 70 tents. We can't do more than 100 tents due to time constraints. We can't put up any more than that. This husband and wife duo started out as campers themselves. Six years ago, they began helping other campers put up tents. Eventually, they realized that they'd found a promising business opportunity. We call it the lazy economy. There are actually a lot of people who aren't familiar with how to put up a tent. On top of that, maybe the weather is too hot. Maybe it's a boyfriend and girlfriend trying to set up the tent and they get in a quarrel. So then the boss will tell me, how about you go and help them out? Look at that husband and wife, that boyfriend and girlfriend. They're about to break out into an argument. Zhang and his wife provide expertise and equipment and they're the saving grace of Novus campers. Over the years, their business has grown only bigger. It offers everything from basic tents with furniture and canopies to shiny glamping gear for the ultimate getaway. Every last detail can be customized. Anything can be arranged with prior communication about what the guests want. We play the role of an intermediary as we help guests prepare for their camping excursion. Camping has become more popular than ever, opening up new and exciting businesses opportunities. Services like Jiang's offer convenience to campers while attracting new customers to the campground. Several civic groups on Wednesday urged the government to monitor more closely radical pro-Beijing groups in Taiwan. The appeal comes just days after a member of the China-founded National Association for China's Peaceful Unification 
killed one Taiwanese American and wounded five others in a shooting in Southern California. A lawmaker urged the government to pass legislation concerning hate crimes to prevent attacks like the one in the U.S. from happening in Taiwan. They stand in solemn silence, praying for the victims of the shooting at a church in California last Sunday. The Presbyterian Church in Taiwan and the Taiwan Association of University Professors on Wednesday held a press conference. They spoke on the phone with a pastor in California who said the shooting had captured nationwide attention in the U.S. Everyone has a lot of grief, wounds and suffering in their hearts. As a democratic country we are, we should sternly condemn the use of violence to instigate this kind of destruction. The gunman has been identified as David Cho, a member of the PRC-founded National Association for China's Peaceful Unification. U.S. law enforcement says the shooting was politically motivated. The Presbyterian Church in Taiwan says the government should investigate the pro-Beijing Association's backers and its relationship with the Chinese government. The National Association for China's Peaceful Unification has a presence in Las Vegas, in California, and in all of the U.S. All its chapters belong to China's United Front Work Department. The Executive Yuan and the Legislative Yuan should speed up work on legislation to stay vigilant for foreign agents who try to harm Taiwan's freedom and democracy. We would also like to take this opportunity to call on the government to watch closely the hate speech disseminated by certain pro-unification groups in Taiwan. It can be said that this incident was an extension of this conflict of identities. They called on the government to work on keeping Chinese influence out of Taiwan. A lawmaker at the event said Taiwan should elaborate legislation on hate crimes. This is the clearest case of violence and severe harassment of specific peoples and groups. Hate crimes should have more severe penalties. Amid concerns that division fueled by pro-Beijing radical groups could give rise to further tragedies at home, representatives called on the government to enact legislation on hate crimes. The KMT has nominated its mayoral candidate for Taoyuan. Former Vice Premier Simon Chang, who recently completed his application for party membership. KMT Chairman Eric Chu says Chang has great fondness for the northern city, having worked there for over 12 years. Other KMT members who had been bidding for Taoyuan candidacy, lawmaker Liu Yuling and former Taipei City Councilor Luo Zhiqiang, say they were not consulted on their party's decision. In an interview with local media, KMT Secretary General Justin Huang said the party would continue to communicate with the two. Have you ever had a Hakka flavor pizza? A renowned baker has launched a new line of baked goods in Hakka flavors, from Hakka stir-fry pizza to buns with lecha tea filling. If you're not familiar with the venerable traditions of Hakka food culture, this could be your chance to discover a whole new universe of Taiwanese cuisine. Golden sesame paste and white mochi ooze from the bun as soon as you open it. Meanwhile, this bun is full of Hakka lecha and black sugar mochi, a squidgy delight. And you can get a Hakka stir-fry in a bowl or as you've never seen it before. 
on a pizza. These are the creations of master baker Wu Baochun. The Hakka Affairs Council wants to encourage a Hakka cultural renaissance, and he's playing his part by finding ways to bake Hakka flavors into bread. As bakers, we don't understand flavors, so the chefs helped us design this, the ingredients for the stir-fry on top and the seasonings. Then we brought in our bread. In the past, I used bread to interpret the world. Now, I'm using bread to interpret Taiwan and Hakka culture. With a star team, Wu is venturing into new territory for bakers. The Hakka Bread series is a fresh take on Hakka cuisine, and it's won the nod of approval from the former head of Taipei's Hakka Affairs Commission, Zhong Yongfeng. There is a considerable distance between Hakka people and bread. It's a group that bases its diet on rice. It might make you want to go and visit Hakka people in the mountains of Miaoli, in Mainong or in Pingdong. Trying this bread can inspire you to get curious about a different kind of travel. I think this is the most interesting thing about food concepts. The Hakka people are the second largest ethnic group in Taiwan. Now, thanks to this baker's ingenuity, you can try out the traditions of Hakka cuisine paired with Western baked goods. In the stock market, Taiwan shares closed up on Wednesday after a rally in U.S. stocks the previous day. The Taiex closed up at 240 points at 16,296, led by electronics and finance stocks. Analysts say future trends will depend on global inflation and adjustments to interest rates. Let's hear from an analyst. Finance shares went up by more than 2% after getting a boost, and that propped up the broader market. It's going to be May 20th this week, which is when the government addresses overall policy direction. So willingness to enter the market has gone up. That has stopped the falls in electronics and finance shares and a rebound in shipping stocks. If inflation stays high, hikes to interest rates could have an impact on economic recovery in the second half of the year. Of course, that would have the biggest impact on the market. Another thing to watch out for is the U.S. stock market. Although U.S. shares have been on a continued rise, perhaps foreign investors will switch from selling to buying. That would be another factor to watch out for to see whether Taiwan shares will continue climbing. Analyst Winston Wang says that moving forward, it'll be rare to see sharp rises across the board. He says as turnover shrinks, growth may come in waves across different sectors. A straw-weaving master from Pingdong has been honored with an award for his contribution to Taiwanese craftsmanship. Master Li Long began making playthings from straw as a child in rural Pingdong. Many years later, he is a globally recognized master of the art. He specializes in sacred straw robes for Japanese religious ceremonies. Now a film from the General Association of Chinese Culture has brought even more attention to Li's brilliance. Li Long cuts down a handful of straw and binds it into a rope using both hands and feet. Then the weaving starts. In Li's hands, a simple bundle of grass becomes a work of art. Li grew up in a small Pingdong village. When he was a child, there were no manufactured toys around, so he made toys out of straw from the fields. 
Old branches and bundles of straw became swords and scythes in his imagination. Later, a Japanese sponsor noticed his talent and started commissioning him to weave straw products, especially shimanawa, which are straw ropes used for rituals and blessings in Japan's Shinto religion. Lee tells the story in this film from the Soul of the Craftsman series by the GACC. Once we have filmed these skills through this visual archive, we can hand those skills on to each generation. We can integrate the spirit and the soul of the craftsman in our industrialized society. A documentary is wonderful, but even better is to be able to pass these skills on. That's the best. Vice President Lai Qingde was at the launch party for the latest Soul of the Craftsman film, where he awarded Lee a silk banner to represent his services to Taiwanese crafts. The film series has spanned the length and breadth of Taiwan to document all the many traditional crafts tucked away in unassuming spots. It highlights the beauty and vitality of Taiwan's traditional industries and the gifts they offer our high-tech society. Dragon Boat Festival is fast approaching, and sticky rice dumplings, or zongzi, are everywhere. Today, we celebrate a Zhanghua dumpling shop that's been thriving for 25 years. The cozy shop is run by four older women who together sell 2,000 dumplings a day. They also offer special tiny zongzi for folks with small appetites. A delicious scent fills the room as soon as you open the steamer. This is what the customers come for. For just a few coins, you can get a filling meal at this kitchen run by four older women. They're masters in the art of rice dumplings, aka zongzi. Fried sticky rice is the base. Pork belly goes on top, enhanced by chickpeas. A classic zongzi is out of the steamer in less than a minute. We have four people making dumplings every day. We can do about 2,000 a day like that. We often sell out. I've been making zongzi for 20 or 30 years. Us old folk are just making some and having fun. These affordable dumplings are sold in high volume at a low margin, but some of these are extra cheap because they're so tiny, just a quarter of a typical zongzi. They don't include the mushrooms, shrimp, or bamboo shoots that big dumplings do. But for those who want a little bite-sized snack to keep them going, this little zongzi is just perfect. <laughs> 